Visit the Zoo with your host, author Frederick Fishman. Well, hello and welcome. It's great to have you with me, and our very first podcast is underway. This is podcast number 001 for Visit the Zoo, and my name is Frederick Fishman, and I'm an author, and I also um, create audiobooks and a DVD series based on the 12-book uh, Visit the Zoo series, where I highlight 120 zoo animals that you might find in your local uh, zoo wherever you live around the world. It really is exciting to start off this first episode because there is so much to cover and there's so much that I'm, I'm going to be giving you with each episode and I really do hope that you stick with me. And like I said in the in the about or the introductory uh, podcast, uh, I'll be doing this once a week every Monday. I'll try and upload about the same time here at 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time in Arizona. So I'll try to keep it as uh, as consistent as possible so you know what to expect. And like I said, I'm an author and I have 93 books, fiction and nonfiction, on Amazon. Also in print on CreateSpace, which is an Amazon subsidiary. I have about 65 books up there. And recently I just recorded four audiobooks, one fiction and the first three in the Visit the Zoo series. And I did that, and that's up on audible.com. And I just released my first DVD based on the Visit the Zoo series. And that is now available on Amazon and also another site called Movie Zing, which is doing all the wholesale uh, distribution to libraries and school districts. The best way to to, uh, get to know what this is all about is to go to the uh, Visit the Zoo uh, website. And let me just give that to you, and you'll hear it probably a thousand times, but let me just give it to you for the first time. It's zooanimals.info. That's zooanimals.info. And that's all things uh, Visit the Zoo with links. And also I've got a, um, a book trailer, a three-minute book trailer that you can click on that will show you a little bit about what the first DVD uh, looks like. I also have an author website, which is everything that I do, and that is at uh, frederickfishman.com. And let me spell that for you, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K-F-I-C-H-M-A-N.com, frederickfishman.com. So we are about to begin a long journey with some exciting twists and turns, and you're going to learn a little bit about the animals that... uh, that you probably didn't know about, were surprised about when you do hear what I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to try and make this as interesting as possible and as variety uh, variety laden as possible. But please keep in mind that the format for this will stay about the same. So you'll know exactly, you know, what it is that we're going to be doing. I'll probably start off each one with a hello and just an explanation of what we're going to be doing and what we're going to be uh, hearing about in that episode. And I'll be starting off each one of these episodes with a little news update. The first article, uh, the first news item that I want to discuss is uh, is something that came from uh, a site called Global or Globe Newswire, and it was uh, released uh, about 
10 days ago. And it, uh, it's from Silver Spring, Maryland. And it's about uh, the American Zoo Association accrediting uh, 28 zoos that have applied to be one of the best aquariums, nature centers, science centers, or zoos. And every single year, twice a year, the AZA makes a decision as to who will get their accreditations. I think when you go to your local zoo, if, if one of your local zoos has that accreditation, believe me, they're going to put that up front probably on the sign that goes in to the zoo and probably at the ticket gate and probably a couple places around because they want, to, well, they want people to know that this zoo has been accredited by this organization. This organization, the American Association rather of Zoos and Aquarium, has been around since 1924, and it's dedicated to the areas of conservation, animal welfare, education, science, and recreation for the applying zoos. Currently, there are two in, in this country, by the way, in the United States and in eight other countries as well. And currently, there's 230 AZA-accredited facilities. It, it really is a... It's a, it's a mark of achievement if you get something like this. So, and I want to congratulate those people who have, have finally gotten their facilities accredited. Each year, about 196 million visitors visit these AZA accredited facilities. And like I said, they're, they're not all the facilities in the U.S. and the eight countries I, I mentioned. There is a larger organization in Geneva, Switzerland, called the World Zoo Associate the World Associations of Zoos and Aquariums, the WAZA. They estimate over six hundred million people worldwide visit all those facilities. So the the WAZA is the organization in Geneva that represents every zoo that's been accredited around the world. And I was uh, very grateful, by the way, that the WAZA in in Geneva did review my 12-book series and they gave it the stamp of approval. So I'm very happy about that. So thank you to the WAZA. Anyhow, so twice a year, this article goes on, the AZA uh, credits zoos. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read this list of zoos. And some of these may be in your area. So this is the recent list. The African Safari Wildlife Park in Ohio the Bergen County Zoological Park in New Jersey, the Cape May County Park in New Jersey, the Chicago Zoological Society in Brookfield, the Dakota Zoo in North Dakota, the Denver Zoological Garden in Colorado, the Dickerson Park Zoo in uh, Missouri, Alfondacion Tilmaquen, oh God, I butchered that, in Argentina, uh, the Lake Superior Zoo in Minnesota, the Lincoln Park Zoological Gardens in Illinois, the Little Rock Zoological Garden in Arkansas, the Mesker Park Zoo and Botanical Garden in Indiana, the Minnesota Zoological Garden, nor the Northeastern Wisconsin Zoo in Wisconsin, the Peoria, Illinois Zoo, the Port Defiance, great name, the Port Defiance Zoo and Aquarium in Washington, the Potter Park Zoological Garden in Michigan, the Pueblo Zoo in Colorado, the Racine Zoological Gardens in Wisconsin, the Riverside Discovery Center in Nebraska, Sea Life in Orlando, Florida, the Scoville Zoo in Illinois, the Toledo Zoological Gardens in Hawaii, in Ohio, and the Topeka, Kansas, Topeka Zoo in Kansas, the Tulsa Zoo, and Zoo Boise in Idaho. That's 26 zoos that just got their accreditation, plus two other applicants, the Colorado Wolf and Wildlife Center and the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee. So I want to congratulate those uh, organizations and uh, how do the Australians say? Good on you. 
All right, let's get to uh, the next part, the next segment, our first introduction of this feature. And I really kind of like this one because this is just interesting and just fascinating. What I'm going to be doing is uh, every single week, I'm going to be playing for you the sounds, the recorded sounds of, of three animals. And I want you to listen to them carefully. And I want you to try and guess what you think they are. And then what I'm going to do is play the next segment of the episode. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to give you the answer. And I'm going to be playing these a couple times uh, just to make sure you get it. So let's go with our first animal sign and or sound rather and see whether you can figure out what this is. Some of them are very easy and you know them. Some of them are not so easy and they're difficult. But anyhow, let's go with the first animal sound. Um, that's not your stomach. <laughs> Although it may sound like it. Let me let me play it for you one more one more time. This is our first animal sound. There could be a couple things that you may be thinking, but I'm not so sure. But let's try this next animal sound. This is the animal sound number two. And tell me if you can figure this out now. With this one, you've got to listen very carefully. And it's very short. All right, let's do it. Let me do that one more time. Let me do it a third time. It sounds like a spray bottle, doesn't it? But it's not. And finally, this one may be easy, but here's our third animal sound that you can guess. Try it. I tell you what, let me do this one more time. Here's the first one. Here's number two. Here's number three. Now, what I want to do uh, with this next segment is uh, is I want to play for you a little bit from my uh, audiobooks and from the tracks that I've recorded, the segments and the chapters from the uh, 12 Visit the Zoo book series. And it's a description of, of the animals, of all the 120 animals that, that are in the 12 book series. So it'll give you a little bit of background of what the book is like. Of course, with the DVD, you'll have, not only you'll have the verbal description and the voiceover narration, but you'll have stills and also video of these animals too. And in the books, you'll have uh, a lot of stills. I probably took over thousands of of stills in my uh, epic journey to zoos around here in the West Coast. So, but let's start off with the first animal description for today's episode. As you walk down the main pathways of a zoo, you will often be referring to your map that you are carrying. But helpful direction signs will become a valuable resource and help you decide where you want to go to next. Our next animal on our zoo tour is the largest of all land animals, the elephant. It is 10 to 13 feet in height and weighs in at a whopping 4 tons or 10,000 to 13,000 pounds. Of course, the trunk is what we think of most and it is their most prominent feature. It is used for grasping and drinking. It is interesting that it is also a form of communication they use it to touch and stroke each other as reassurance. Asian elephants have smaller ears than African elephants. They help in cooling, 
the elephant from the searing heat of their habitats. Elephants can live 60 to 70 years. Throughout history, elephants have cohabitated with humans, sometimes uncomfortably as more and more of where they live disappears. But elephants have been partners with humans in both war and daily living. Because of their size and tremendous strength, they have been put to work under all types of weather conditions. Today, there are about 1,200 Asian elephants and around 700 African elephants in zoos around the world. Right, there you have a little idea of what these animal descriptions read like and sound like in my series. It's time to get some answers now. You're probably wanting to know what were those animals and what were the sounds about. So let's start with the first one. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to replay the very first one that we had. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of description of what this animal is and a little bit about him. So let's listen to this first animal sound again. <laughs> Well, if you guessed uh, an alligator, uh, you may be right, and you probably are right. It's the American alligator. This particular uh, reptile is uh, mainly across the southern coast of the United States with habitat that goes all the way from Texas to, to North Carolina, and of course, in Florida. And it's amazing, if you live in Florida, how often that you see these alligators. And of course, if you get too close to them, they can be dangerous. You know, there's a confusion sometimes about the difference between crocodiles and alligators. They look kind of like the same, but they're not the same. And let me just give you some differences about, you know, how they are different. Now, alligators, that's the sound you just heard. They live in the southeastern U.S. and eastern China as well in swamps and rivers. Crocodiles, however, they live in North, Central, and South America in grassy swamps and rivers. Alligators have wide U-shaped snouts. Crocodiles, however, have long, narrow, pointed snouts. But alligators have their fourth tooth covered when their mouth is closed. Crocodiles, that fourth tooth is exposed when their mouth is closed. Alligators, they prefer fresh water. And crocodiles, they prefer salt water. They can live up to 50 years, 5-0, 50 years. And they can weigh as much as 500 pounds. The largest alligator on record was 19 feet long, but they average about 13 to 15 feet long. It's hard to see them in the water because they're so camouflaged and they come so close to the color of the water. And when they're that close, it could be too late. In the water, they can swim up to 20 miles per hour. And on land, they can scamper up to 11 miles per hour. So I think that you wouldn't get away from it unless you could really run fast. But here's the sound one more time. And this is the American alligator. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that lovely? Isn't that wonderful? All right, this next one, let me play it for you again, again, and one more time. If any of you guessed that, boy, you get a gold star by your name today. That's for sure. That sound came from the Madagascar hissing cockroach. All right, 
the Madagascar hissing cockroach. I mean, you can just imagine if you're stumbling out of bed in the middle of the night and you turn on the kitchen light and see this thing scampering around. They, they grow up to about uh, two to three inches long. It's two to three inches long. And they can live up to five years and, and they hiss. And they're, of course, because of their name, the Madagascar hissing cockroach, they are native to the large island of Madagascar, which sits off the southeastern coast of Africa. Now, the thing that I uh, probably considered is, well, well, why did nature give them the ability to hiss? Well, I mean, what's the reason? Well, there may be three reasons, scientists think. Number one is to attract a mate. The second is a battle call to other cockroaches, you know, that somebody wants to fight. And also when they're disturbed. Now, some people think that a hiss, just the name and the hissing, and they're kind of cute and they, and they keep them as exotic pets but you've got to be careful because if they escape they're great climbers and they can cling to glass or or your tv or your couch or your leg and they make that hissing noise through breathing pores in their thorax their bodies and they're the only insect on the planet that can make that hissing noise like that all right finally here's the um here's the third sound ready Okay, one more time. What was that? It sounded like a cat, right? And a big cat. Well, it's the, uh, it's everyone's favorite, I guess, the king of the jungle. It's the lion. Probably in every zoo, every large or medium-sized zoo around the world, there is a lion enclosure or a lion exhibit, that's for sure. And the one that we saw when we went to uh, the Phoenix Zoo and we approached the the enclosure, both, maybe all three or four lions were all asleep. It was in the middle of the day, and that's what they usually do. They just lay around, and they yawn, and they nap, and they rest for up to 20 hours a day. And the rest of the time is spent grooming or socializing, hunting, or eating. Now, the lion is the second largest in the cat family. The tiger is bigger. The females are smaller than the males, but they that can top out the females at 400 pounds and the males can be as big as 550 pounds. Females stand about four feet tall. The males about five feet tall. They live mainly in in Africa now and in zoos around the world, of course. But here's a fascinating fact, and this kind of astounded me when I researched this. About 10,000 years ago, which in geological terms is nothing, but 10,000 years ago, the largest population of animals on Earth was humans. Second in number were the lions, but as humans have spread out over the planet and over the surface of the earth, the lions numbers have shrunk, coinciding with the shrinkage of their their habitat. They're very social animals. They stick to one another. The females have anywhere between one to four cubs, and they usually live about 10 to 14 years in the wild and about 20 years in captivity. They are beautiful and regal animals, especially the uh, the male with that big mane. So, there you have it. And that was this week's uh, Three Animals. And next week, we'll do again with another Three Animals. Okay, we're going to do something. I'm going to uh, give it a try. And I don't know whether this is going to go over every single week, but I'm going to give it a, a try anyhow. And I did a, a search on Google, and I wanted to know how many poems have been written throughout the years 
and millennium about animals. You know, some of the most famous poets have considered and pondered and written their thoughts about animals. And I thought, well, you know what? They may be a, a nice segment for this and a way to end things up with just reading a poem from a poet who you may or may not know and and see how it goes. So tell me what you think when you comment and if you want me to keep on doing this. You know, some people like poetry. Some people don't like poetry. You know, some people don't get it. Some people like classical music or the opera. Some people can't stand it. You know, they just went rock or, or something else. So we'll we'll give it a try anyhow. And I think that what I want to do is start off with this first one. And the name of it is the fly. And that's a zoo animal. Believe me, they, they don't gather them up. They just show up at any zoo around the world. But it was written by William Blake. Now, he was a English poet and a painter. And he lived from 1757 to 1897. He was unrecognized during his lifetime, but he was one of the key figures in that romantic age during that time for the arts. And he lived in London, and he stayed there his entire life. So let me read this to you. Uh, Again, this is The Fly by William Blake. Little fly, thy summer's play, my thoughtless hand has brushed away. Am I not a fly like thee? Or art thou not a man like me? For I dance and drink and sing Till some blind hand shall brush my wing. If thought is life and strength and breath And the want of thought is death Then am I a happy fly If I live or if I die. Right, that I just a little taste, and I just want to know what you think of it. We'll try it again next time as well, and, and see how it goes over. And we we've come to the end of it uh, for this particular episode. And I want to thank you very much for joining us. Next time we're going to do three more animal sounds. I'm going to give you another uh, reading and a description from my book series, my twelve book series, and we're going to look at the rhinoceros uh, next time, a huge animal with a very small brain very small brain but one that can run 30 or 40 miles per hour it'll it'll chase you down for sure so we'll do that and we'll also do some news and um also again if you, if you want more information about uh, my book series and me and and some of the animals go, go to our website at um, zoo animals at zoo animals dot info zoo animals info please subscribe and rate and review this podcast and and tell me what you think you know what i think we should do this again next week what do you think thanks a lot bye-bye